0: Manadeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to face2face gonna games.com Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall, joined by Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers v. Marshall. It's, and, uh, you know, it's Monday, so it seems like a perfectly... It's kind of rainy out. It seemed like the perfect day to talk about Theros beyond death.
1: Yeah. There's a new set out, which is always exciting, and it's time to explore, maybe get some brews going. Uh, you know, certainly we're all, like, ready to move on.
0: I think. <laughs> so you, you were doing something interesting in the weeks leading up to the Card Image Gallery um, being revealed. You were kind of, like, working on decks that were almost there that you wanted to see if they got the pieces um missing pieces that they needed to go over the top like i know white devotion was a deck you looked at a lot
1: yeah like the moment daxos was spoiled it was like well we're on the edge already right we, we we now have a really good way to get a lot of life gain triggers we have a really good life lifetime payoff card we're almost there, maybe we're already there, we're not sure. And just like if we could get like maybe some god that does something with life gain and devotion, maybe we could get somewhere. I wrote about that. There are a bunch of other things, a lot of them came down to like we need better mana. And my assumption was, well, the temples were what was in Theros last time, the other five temples were in previous magic set and standard. And it makes sense that we we're just getting the other five temples. So I sort of mentally planned for what actually happened, but I held out the hope that if we had also gotten better 5 color fixing or additional dual like, cycle that meant something, then suddenly the sky was the limit. Right. Some, some sort of nerf nichthos. Like, there was a fake spoiler out there for a few minutes that had with Swift Teeth, oh, a new yeah. picture. <laughs> and if that had happened, like, go completely nuts, everyone. Right? Because <laughs> now you have you know, infinite mana. Yeah.
0: I don't see them ever doing
1: that. I really... That. Yeah. My, my reaction to it was, no, they're not. They, they know better.
0: Right. Right?
1: They've learned. They know not to do that. And, uh, you, know. right. yeah.
0: you can, you can, you can yeah. get a pretty good sense of their feelings about Fetchlands based on the ban list for Pioneer.
1: Which made it look really strange when I saw it, I will say. <laughs> and so the problem with uh, Theros is tough act to follow.
0: Oh, in terms of Throne of Eldraine?
1: Yeah, because Throne of Eldraine is the most powerful set in a long time. Like, even if you take out Once Upon a Time an Oko. It's still an incredibly powerful set
0: right Well the ongoing joke for us around the office has been like you know that that's a messed up magic card they didn't say it messed up <laughs> um, we do actually yeah I actually do say it yeah uh, well, I, I sometimes use something a little stronger uh, <laughs> that you could go pretty far down the list into double digits and say that right like that that phrase almost started to lose meaning in Throne of Al Right, like, I think
1: there was a complaint when I wrote my article on the one in Morgan, like he's just listing the pet peeve cards in Throne <laughs> of Drain. It's like, no. I'm pointing out that there's 20 ridiculous cards in this set, at least. Right? The the Kraki's like commenting that like, you know, there's an alternate world where we're all whining out Love Struck Beast. Right. We just like not we don't even notice it anymore. It's just right. yes, you get a five of five for three mana with net kind of upside in many situations. And that's just okay? Right. And it's splashable? <laughs> and the you know, bone crusher giant is not okay, guys, right? Like, in a fundamental sense,
0: it's, just, it's not all right. So, so, so knowing all that, right, and having that, and, you know, you've said tough act to follow, so maybe that spoils it a little bit, but, like, what, what expectations did you set for, for Theros Beyond Death? So part
1: of me was worried slash hopeful that they would just top it. <laughs> They'd be like, well, you know, we did that. But how do we make sure that we're going to take it to the next level? And we didn't see that. Um, you know, that we either see like one one above it or just the same level, but with what, like, like, Mark Rosewater said, that, well, we don't have power creep. What we have is we emphasize a different thing, and we make sure it matches up well against the thing that you we are doing previously. So it looks like we're power creeping, but we're not power creeping. I don't think anyone can look at Thorn of and think we weren't power creeping. I was just going to say, that feels a lot like power creep. It. it, it it, it could, in theory, not be Power Creep. Right. It's Power Creep Right. In, in practice. I think it's pretty clear that it's been Power Creep for a while. Right. Um, Bringing so, a gun to a knife fight
0: is not Power Creep. <laughs> Wait, yes it is.
1: <laughs> if it's a good gun, it's definitely uh, Power Creep. But it could also be like, well, just 15-yard penalty. <laughs> Let's try again. But um, in this case, we clearly did see a step back from Throne of Aldrain. Okay. This is definitely not the same power level as Throne of Drain. And I wonder to what extent that is variance. Like, that's basically, you know, Wizards missing in play design in different directions on the two sets. Sure. To what extent, you know, Eldrain was pushed specifically for out-of-game reasons to be particularly strong. To what extent they realized that Eldrain was especially strong and you need to pull back.
0: I I have a theory about, like, Throne of Eldrain that it just ended up being, like the repository for a lot of mechanically complicated cards that may have gotten kicked down the road by the development of Arena. Where, like, I think sometimes some things that are mechanically... Not even mechanically complex from a player perspective, but I mean mechanically complex for someone to implement in a digital game, uh, uh, something we're becoming increasingly familiar with. Absolutely. (laughs) uh, Could have led some of these cards, I, I felt like the complexity level was dialed back. A lot of cards were made more uniform across a set, like, you know, where where card abilities went into, like, broad buckets in some previous sets, and you, you had less of those, like, whoa. You, had, you You had fewer one-ofs, like, Fires of Invention as a card that, you know, stands out as, like, oh, okay, well, we need to program this, like, completely new thing that says this, 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 and this. And less cards that were just pushed to their limits, yeah. even when they did it properly.
1: Right. And I think that the design philosophy of Throne of Eldraine was a generally distinct philosophy from previous sets. And when you're doing that the first time, it's much harder. Right. So maybe Theros represents them getting it closer to what the theory has in mind yeah. than Throne. Because like when, you, when your idea is what we're going to print these 25 cards and they're all kind of messed up, but they'll be balanced against each other. That's a really really hard task for play, for play design, right That's a really really hard thing to play test properly because even with the extra resources there aren't that many people there isn't that much time the cards are constantly changing you have outside pressures on you, you have many different needs to consider. like I think that it's a design problem as much as it's a development problem because when you hand this level of difficulty of problem over is not realistic to expect it to be solved right it's not a degree it's not to degrade anyone's abilities to say that they, they they didn't get it right
0: right right all right so let's go we'll start we'll start with the white cards I, i'm just going to mostly talk about the rares and then if there's an uncommon or a common that we want to talk about uh we can we can sort of take a little detour.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting contrast to like when I'm writing a written review, I try and even notice how rare something is until after I've written it because <laughs> like I, don't want to be dis- I don't want to be fooled, right? Sure. Hey, I have several comments even it's like, I may be being fooled by a common here when I gave a card two or three stars. Right. Right, like, yeah, it looks like a draft common but I think there's something here. It's like,
0: well, we'll, we'll get to them. So uh, Archon of Sun's Grace is 2WW for a 3-4 flying lifelinker. Uh It also says Pegasus creatures you control have lifelink. And if you're wondering where the other Pegasuses are in standard, they come packed into the Archon of Sun's Grace because it has constellation. Whatever enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2 2 white Pegasus creature token with Fly.
1: Yeah, so this is one of two enchantment payoff cards that are worth a damn. Right. Basically. There's the Stessian Champion. Right. uh, The green card that was spoiled pretty early. Right. That gets 1 1 and you draw a card every time an enchantment comes into play. And there's Archon of Sun's Grace. And it feels like every other enchantment card is kind of like trying to make fetch happen. Right. Like it's just not giving you enough to be interesting. These two are planting flags that mean something. Right. right? That say, if I could actually find enough enchantments that I want to play anyway, that are reasonable cards, I could be in business. Right. Um,
0: so just just correct yeah. me, and I, I know commander is not your thing. Of course. But... With Enchanted Evening in play, you make infinite Pegasus, or Pegasi, as it were.
1: I mean, that, that might be true. So at the turn, you know, turn five without Excel, make infinite Pegasi. <laughs> and now everyone else has one turn to find something that matters. Or two turns before the, right. the Enchanted Evening showed up. So yeah, that's definitely a thing one could try and do. <laughs> No, this card is obviously very powerful, right? Like every... You had 2-2 two, two flying, potentially lifelinker if this thing lives.
0: Double, double white and the casting cost is relevant, I assume, somewhat to devotion concerns.
1: It's always weird in a devotion set because there are some decks where it's a liability and some decks where it's an asset. Right.
0: You would much rather have this be 1-WWW, right? Like,
1: Well, I would in the mono-white deck. I wouldn't in the white-green deck. Right. So the question is, am I trying to use both enabling cards... And I'm about enchantments. Or am I about devotion, but notice the god and demigod are enchantments. And notice that, say, All seed of Life's Bounty, which is a card we already skipped over. Sure. Is also an enchantment that also has lifelink. And can also protect my key other creatures. Right. And maybe I have, you know, 12 natural enchantments. And I add in a Conclave Tribunal or three. And I'm kind of already in business. Right? Maybe that's my plan. Or maybe my plan is to actually go multiple colors and go completely nuts, but then I have to find alternatives to the gods because the gods don't really work anymore.
0: Right. What, what about just playing this card fair? I mean, you talked about a bunch of incidental enchantments. And if it's
1: fully fair, it's a three-four flying lifelinker for white-white two, and that's not good enough.
0: Right. But it's still a six-point swing every turn. It's not the worst. Right. So, and then, if, but if you, I'm saying, but by when I'm saying fair, I'm saying that you're going to get two or three pegasus off of this. Yeah. Or, you know, probably, let's say, let's say 1.75 Pegasus a game.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're too ambitious here. Yeah. With that kind of approach.
0: Yeah. I
1: think it's fine. And I don't think it's the place to make a living these days to reminds be It reminds
0: me of, to some extent, of Kalidus. Now Kalidas had a bunch of other um, huge advantages in terms of exiling cards. But, you know, but it was the same thing. 3-4 Life Linker for 4 mana that spit out 2 twos depending on achieving certain things, you know, outside of the card's control.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're naturally going to be playing double-digit numbers of enchantments anyway... Yeah. This is a very tempting 4-drop. They're just that 4-drops are expensive, and it's right. hard to justify them, especially when they take a turn. Right. If you play this on turn 4 with no follow-up because it's all you can do with all your mana, then they have a full turn to just remove a creature. Right. And no harm done, if right. it's going to be a problem. Right. And that's not where you want to be. Right. And also, like, you know, board sweepers clean this up properly, right? If they right. time wipe, back to square one.
0: Right. Um, you know, you talk about I mean, banishing light, incident, you know, type of thing that you want to be doing in general, and white.
1: I generally think banishing light is going to be better than Prison Realm in okay. the New World. Why uh, Why is that? Because I think that the ability to hit different types of permanents is more valuable than just sure. cry. Okay, I think that like being dead more often is a huge liability okay. basically
0: uh, another enchantment is Birth of Miletus I, I know we're talking about it in comments here this was something Mike singled out as one of the cards he really liked in this set actually it's just like his kind of like Pilgrim's Eye grindy uh, card advantage card
1: yeah so guess how many stars I have to add to my review Two. Zero. Zero. <laughs> So basically, my idea is to pay two mana, you get a basic planes, which means you can't fix your mana in any meaningful way. Sure. You get a zero for a turn later. Sure. And then you gain two life. That is just nothing that matters in modern magic. Right? You're using your turn, second turn to later get a zero for it. doesn't really Pil- block that many things.
0: Pil- Pilgrim's Eye has found its way into standard in every format that it's been legal.
1: Pilgrim's Eye searches for any color, right? Sure. And... Like, people are sometimes desperate for some football, basically, right? Like, that's what's going on there. It's like, I just need this effect so badly. But you don't need this effect. I mean, I guess you could argue I've been a Constellation deck already, but then, like, later turns, when you're actually getting Constellation triggers off of this, it doesn't do anything, Sure, right? It's giving you a zero four two life, and a planes, None of which matter on turn 7. Sure. So, early on, I don't want to do this on turn 2, particularly... And on turn seven, it's dead, or almost dead. So I think it's terrible, right? I stand by, I put it this way, I heard Mike's opinion, I debated moving for a second moving it to one star. (laughs) There's one card that, like, I noticed that someone had written an entire article about how good it was, and I had it zero stars. I was like, well, I guess I should move it to one.
0: Which card was that? Um, Well, we'll get to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to it.
0: Um All right. So uh, another uncommon that uh, you know we talked about a little bit already is Daxos. Yes. Uh, this is this is a card that uh, you know white devotion is a thing all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it's it's
1: rare this day and age for uncommons to make your top ten list. I'm pretty sure Daxos is going to make it.
0: Okay. Um. So Daxos plus my son WW for a two star creature. It's toughness is equal to your devotion to white, so it starts off as a base
1: 2-2. Yes, so it's always at least 2-2.
0: Yeah. And then whenever another creature you control enters a battlefield or dies, you gain
1: one life. So even if you draw a second Daxos, you can still cash in for at least two life. Right. At a bare minimum.
0: Right, right.
1: Sorry, not two life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no two life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, 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 I was checking to make sure it didn't trigger both of them, but no, yeah. it's another creature. Yeah. So the thing about Daxos is it doesn't just give you life it gives you life triggers and that's an important distinction right right the life gain you get from every creature being worth two in the long run is a pretty great return for a two drop but it's also going to often be like two five two seven just something completely right. annoying to kill what's makes this card great is Johnny's pride mate and heliod right right it's there are these two cards in Standard, both of which turn those triggers into counters. And now, suddenly, you've got a very, very dangerous engine that you didn't even have to pay for, basically. You're playing, you know, two twos for two with giant upside potential when they combine in various different ways. And if there's one completely new strategy, not completely shooting history of Magic, it's been there before, but strategy's going to feel very different in Standard... I think a good candidate for it would be White Devotion. Right. And I think strongly that you know, there's an article like by PV, um, ranking the five devotions, which I, the internet was not working right and I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but not his fault. I think only one of the five devotions got there. I think White's the only one. Okay. I, think, I think the other four are just not interesting things. Like, I think Black has a card you will play, but there's no devotion deck. Right. I think that...
0: There's, there's no other decks that get turned yeah. on all the other... Right? There's a whole cycle of triple cast and cost cards in Throne. And if you weren't already playing those cards, the only card that you start really thinking about playing now is
1: Linden. Yes, I think Linden is a perfect example of... This both gives you three Devotion peps and gives you lots more of those Game 1 Life triggers. Right.
0: Which then allow you to do obscene things. Right. You can and so of, I'm you interested. Can just, you can get out of hand with Daxos and Heliod and uh, Lena uh, Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, there's,
1: there's some great stuff there, a lot to like. But look, look I love me a Yorvo. Right? Yeah. Let's just right. get it out of the way. I have a deck in my review that uses Yorvo, it has zero cards with the word devotion on. It because even with a handmade devotion, Green Devotion deck list. I just didn't want the Green Devotion cards. Right. Like, should I have had one of the god? Not even in my Vivian sideboard did I put a copy of the god <laughs> in. Because that's just not what I want to do. I want to finish you off. I put a different, I put Ronis in my sideboard,
0: but not Nelia. All right. So yeah, so, so Daxos is, uh, is definitely a card that's gonna, I think, see play. Uh, keeping on to the rare track, on of Obstruction, 1W for 2 1, Enchantment Creature Spirit. It has first strike, so it's like a hate bear kind of card. And playing on that traditional on that tradition, loyalty abilities of planeswalkers your opponents control cost one more to activate. I think this is a sweet design space. Like I would like to see more things that do things like this. I'd like to see that one be a two. Sure. That would be one of the things that would fall into the bucket of things like this. Yes. But
1: better. (laughs) I feel like this is tipping a toe in the water of a very nice river. But you only dip your toe in, so you're not going to get much out of it. Right. Right. It's a very, very small effect. Right. Right. It means that, yes, if you put down your, your Planeswalker on turn three, you won't be able to activate the Planeswalker this turn. And in general, Planeswalker is going to be substantially worse. But, you know, it's just not going to be that interesting against anything but a dedicated Super Friends deck. Right. It's a sideboard card for devoted Super Friends decks that can't kill two ones. Right. And that seems like a pretty narrow use case. Yeah.
0: Fairly awesome cube card, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, for for the cube that has that many Planeswalkers. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Every cube I've ever experienced. Um, Elspeth conquers death. 3WW for a saga. It's rare. It's, uh, chapter 1 is exile target permanent on opponent controls with converted mana costs 3 or greater. 2. Non creature spells your opponent's control- cast cost 2 more to cast until your next turn. And then 3. Return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put either a plus 1 plus 1 counter or a loyalty counter on
1: I don't really see it. Yeah. I think this is too much mana. I think that five mana removal doesn't really work. Right. And I get that you're getting a resurrection on the back end right. two turns later. Right. But the second effect is pretty small, given it's a turn after you played a five drop. Right? Just, people are not that mana crunched at that point in the game that right. often. And they see it coming. They have a turn where they're not mana crunched before they get mana crushed, and then they only mana Crunched for one turn, they're back out of it again. Right. Right? So, I just don't see it. And they have a turn to remove this so if they don't want to face the resurrection.
0: So... Uh, I mean, the card Eldritch Reborn saw a lot of play. So how does this card... Like, Eldritch Reborn was, was a Esper control staple. So how does this card hold up against uh, Eldritch Reborn?
1: Yeah, let's take a look at exactly... I'm trying to remember exactly what it... So each player's... So, first of all, the Eldest reborn second effect was a card. So, like, more of just, like, a, you know, sort of annoy you, annoy you. Right. And then it's also worth noting that you could put a Planeswalker or Creature card from any Graveyard into the battlefield. Right. And the way those decks usually won was by taking your opponent's thing. Yes. At the end. Yep. Which this cannot do. Yep. Because, like, one of the problems is if you're playing Eldest Reborn's death in your five slot, right, how many really good reanimation things do you have and did you ever lose one? Right. What is it doing sitting in your yard, right? Right. Otherwise, these have to be like, well, one of my four fairies has to be dead or I'm getting basically no value. The,
0: the, this, this points in the direction of one of my complaints about the set is there's like escape cards everywhere in this format, but I don't feel like every color got good, has good access to cards Go into their graveyard other than through the normal course of play. Like, I feel like the, the, those abilities are kind of basically, for the most you, part, agree. you
1: wonder how early they knew escape was coming. Because you see some cards that are very, a handful of like, cards that are like amazingly great with escape, which we'll talk about when we get to the appropriate synergies. And a lot of places where, yeah, you're just SOL on escape synergy. Right, in, in some colors. Right. And I think, it's, I think it's fine to make some colors work for it, to make it an interesting dynamic and encourage you to play different, you know, put, but part of the problem is, like, they put the, the good standard escape cards are in places where escape is easy, as opposed to places where escape is hard. Right, right. Like, so they didn't actually make the interesting dynamic. They made a very basic, simple dynamic, which is fine. But just like this is gonna hurt. I mean, we'll get to Elspeth in a second, right? Right. She's the next card. Um, but yeah, I, I think that As with Conqueror's Death, just there's the chances of getting back a five or a six drop, it's just not very high. Right. And also the um, I mean yes, the, the exile any permanent three or greater. I mean it might it might hit something really awesome, but it also can miss. Right. In an important way. Right.
0: Yeah. Why why can't it return target creature or planeswalker from your graveyard or from your opponent's exile? Um,
1: if it's from any graveyard, yeah, I do want to settle for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that dead is dead. Dead is not dead, but like, truly dead is dead is dead. Like, exiled cards just do not return in this set for, at, at bare minimum. Fair. I would not allow that. Like, I still feel like Elspeth, like, you know, I'm just gonna call her Jean Grey. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, my son's, one of my son's names is Gideon. Yeah. I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> he would be back.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about Elspeth. She's back. Elspeth, yes. son's nemesis, 2WW, 5 loyalty planeswalker, uh, minus 1, up to 2 target creatures you control, get plus 2, plus 1, minus 2, create 2 1, 1 white human soldier creature tokens, minus 3, gain 5 life, and then it has escape, 4WW, exile 4 other cards from your graveyard. Yep. Um, so this, this is another... <laughs> pie of contention between you and mike this is this is this is me being bah humbug again yeah
1: um so like there was a factor fiction article on star city where they asked if el Sun's nemesis was amazing
0: right
1: and there was at least one person who said fact um shall we say without naming names or counting a lot of people were initially super high on this card. I don't know if they I, still are.
0: I, I, yeah, I, I, want, I meant actually to follow up with Jerry Thompson because when I talked to Jerry during uh, the the last event I was at, which was the Command Fest, um, he was pretty high on
1: it. I think you have now that we've seen Uru, right? Now that we've seen Palucronos, right? And now that we've seen what's the red card's name again? Uh, yeah, I can't.
0: Yeah, wait. There's, there's we'll get there.
1: There's three premiums. Premium escape cards that seem much more exciting than Elspeth. Right. Maybe four if you count the black-red card. And so you then have to ask the question...
0: I mean, maybe more than I, that if you count the red card that gives everything Escape. Oh,
1: that, that's a, that can be separate from... It's a separate kind of thing. Like, you wouldn't put them in the same deck. Yeah. Right? They're different designs. So you have to ask, now that I've seen what they think Escape can do, do I think Elspeth is great anymore? Or have I recognized this isn't so great? Right. Because the other cards, you pay more for them, but you get something awesome. Right? Poker knows you get a 12-12. Right. That can fight things. Uru, you get like life and a card draw. And immediately a land and, and a land drop. And you get it again when you attack. You get something awesome. With Elspeth, you get this makeshift temporary planeswalker. Like she didn't conquer death. She just postponed it a little bit. She's kind of like a ghost. Yeah, she's gonna I think Elspeth's gonna die again, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> No. And again and again, it turns out death. You know, you can say that you can say what you want to the god of death. But the god of death says, "I'll wait." Yeah. <laughs> so, but just look at what you can do. Right, you get five points. You get five loyalty to work with. You can so the first line, giving two of your creatures plus one plus two plus one. You can take four power from your four drop on the table, and. Chunk it, you know, chart it down. But that seems profoundly unexciting to me, even in an aggressive deck these days, because, like, you know, you could play Questing Beast. Right. Right. And you get four power on its own with no, no, nothing nothing unreliable, lots of bonus stuff. It's just not that, it's not a very exciting ability. Minus two, you get two one, one white human soldier tokens. Okay, so, Elspeth's main mode, in my mind, is two tokens, two more tokens burn the minus one to kill myself, so I can be recast later. And maybe I can do four damage with the minus one, and maybe I don't. Right. And minus three, I gain five life. The secondary mode is I gain five life, and then like, I die, so right? Gain two, I gain two tokens, I jump off the tokens, then I gain five life or something like so that. So
0: there's a couple of interesting things about Elspeth to me. Yeah. One, first of all, the, minus, three, the three minus abilities is I, I, I like that design space, right? I'm not, you know regardless of its execution here. Um, I, mean, when I was talking to Mike about the card. He was talking about the idea, the play pattern of that, you know, when your opponent attacks it. And, I'm, and what I'm thinking about is, this is not a Planeswalker where maybe you feel like this never gets out of hand. Like, I think it's a very interesting Planeswalker in terms of like, do I actually bother attacking this? If this was an enchantment, would it be a problem card? If this was a Saga. Right, what if this was a saga right like you know chapter one do this chapter two do this right or just it
1: was like when 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 name comes into play put five usefulness counters on it right and then like when no, when the last usefulness counter is remove sacrifice right and then had escape like it would be better right i wouldn't be scared of it if it couldn't be attacked right It just it's just not an exciting card like come yeah and when you're paying six for this later like, I was just like, I used to be a contender. I used to be somebody, right? Remember me? I have a picture that I bought of the old LSPE six, like the, the print. Yeah. And she's like, remember when I used to stand tall and hold this at a better angle? And I just like plus one to make three to make three soldiers, or minus three to like kill everybody who mattered. Those were the days. Yeah. Stupid God. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, Heliod wins. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So you're, 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 you haven't reappraised this upward.
1: I don't think Elspeth conquers death. Yeah. I think death conquers both All
0: right. Now, uh, you mentioned Heliod wins. Heliod may be the first loser in Pioneer from this set. You know, we saw the announcement today.
1: Well, so, so when you're banned, right? It's a philosophical <laughs> question. When you're banned in Pioneer, are you a winner? Or are you a loser? You're a loser because you're not being played. Sort of
0: long-term. Loser moving forward, but you've experienced the taste of victory.
1: You, you go to the Hall of Fame, yeah. right? Just <laughs> earlier than you wanted, and you don't have a choice in the matter. But you go to the Hall. Yeah. Right? You broke it. You're like, but I want to play in PTQs. No. You you're, can't. You're qualified. <laughs> you have to stop. There was interaction with walking ballista. It was unfortunate. People started dying a lot on turn four. got to stop.
0: So, uh, yeah, the Wizards announced you know no changes to Pioneer, but Ian sort of said, we're aware of the interaction of Heliod, Suncrowned. Uh, so 2W for a 5-5, legendary enchantment creature, god, indestructible, devotion uh, is less than 5, it isn't a creature. Whenever you gain life, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. By the way, again, really sick with Linden, really sick with bunch of other stuff that you're already doing, right? Uh, and then it has one W, another target creature gains a lifelink until end
1: so we, can ta- so we can talk about Pioneer and Standard completely separately, because they're completely separate problems, right? Yes, yeah. So yeah, in- No, I
0: don't think this card's in any danger of getting banned in Standard.
1: No, 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 no. in Standard, the question is, is this deck good, right? It could be, I can see it being anything from great, like comp- competing for the best deck, or just being a tier two interesting deck. Right. But not actually viable because just this competition is so tough. But if you look at Heliod, you say, okay, Ajani's Pride Mate, right, as we talked about, Daxos, Heliod, Linden, you know, Linden, and then just round it out, you have lots of great choices. And you've got a deck that can just generate a ton of power very quickly right. without paying for it. Right. You've still got a fundamentally just got a white weenie deck.
0: By by the way, Hel- Heliod and uh, Archon of Sun's Grace play super well together.
1: Oh yeah, no the fact that Heliod and Daxos and a new and the new one drop right the first card in the set by by card number yeah uh, are all enchantments and the Conclave Tribunal is just naturally good right it means again you can you can do that you know how many four drops you can put in your white Winnie deck is a valid concern right you can definitely. Produce a very powerful white deck. Like there's a bunch of very powerful like white. White clearly was making white white creatures good. You know, great again was part of the plan. Right. Um. So, but you think about this in Pioneer.
0: <laughs>
1: now we have a slightly different problem, right? We have the problem of if I give my Walking Ballista lifelink and I remove a counter, it doesn't die. Then that counter will cause it to well, then that. When it deals the damage it'll gain a life and then i'll get another counter right and i have demonstrated a loop and you're dead right so that doesn't cost very much mana right so like you go turn two walking ballista turn three Helia, turn four you're dead for example
0: well except you need to get a second counter on it so you can't go turn two turn four put a
1: counter oh sorry that's, that's, sorry you're not quite right right turn one i meant turn one Hardened scales turn two yeah, yeah. walking ballista turn three because natural cards or the more traditional turn one Llanow or Elves, or Elvish Mystic, turn two Helion, turn right. three Rocking Ballista for two. Kill you. Uh, not quite. Can't really. quite kill you. Like, you can't quite do it the au naturel. Right. But keep in mind, if you could, like, get an extra point of toughness somehow, Right. that would do it, for example. That's like, it's, you're very, very close to a turn three kill. I haven't fully really explored the space to see if there's a card you could draw. Is there an equipment we could give it plus zero, plus one with? Probably. Sure. I don't think we necessarily want to do that, but, like, the mirror is going to go fast. So maybe you do. Um, we already have this problem of how the hell do you win games in Pioneer on the draw? Right? Like Ari Lachs has talked a lot about this. Like, right. When you're both playing Lion Elves into good three and four drops, right, even if my cards are different than your cards, if I get to play the first card right. and the first second card and the first third card and nobody's curves really go that high so like everyone's just sort of doing a good thing every turn, how do you ever break Surf? Right? Not that you never do, but like, It's going to be. It's very difficult, right? And so, this just your dad thing makes it even harder. The natural like so. The question is like, what do you do now? Like, do I play Soul Sisters plus Walking Ballista, and sometimes I just kill people? Do I play, you know, Hardened Scales with or without the Soul Sisters? Right. A lot of different possibilities. And. You know, that's what people will experiment with. So, I I would put it this way. If you are planning to go to Phoenix, I would be pretty nervous about playing this deck in terms of your legal ability to play it.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about you. I mean, you're someone who is always on the fence about going to a Magic tournament, right? Like, Magic's not... The, the number one competitive priority for you at all times, like it used to be. Yeah, but I would say I'm... So has is this, is this affected your interest in going to the event?
1: Yes. I followed, so I followed into nuclear ring before the change in structure, where I said to myself, okay, I'm enough into magic that if they have a professional tournament in the United States, like in, in Canada or Mexico, it would, would still be good. Like if they have one in reasonable flight, then I'm going to go. And if they have one in Europe or Japan right, or anywhere else around the world, that's too much. Like, unless it's an invitational. If I got no invitational, I would jump at the chance and I'd be very thrilled to go, hi, wizards, uh, no matter when or where. you know, I would, And I would work my, my butt off to, to do well. But when you're talking about a pro tour, I, was, I, just, I just can't justify the jet lag. I can't justify the expense and the time away from my job and my family. And when we reduce the prize at stake, a level, Introduce a tournament of the same format that ends three days before deck lists are due. And introduce this kind of thing to a format I've never played where I have to separately buy the cards. It, it's it's it, a lot.
0: So, so it's worth noting, right? So if someone in Japan figures out the best build for this Heliod Walking Ballista deck, and then by the time we get to Phoenix that deck will be everywhere, right? It'll either be
1: everywhere or nowhere, depending on the decision made in Seattle on Monday. Oh, they still have it? Oh. I realize they do not to have a technical ban restricted day, but let put it this way. It's if the there thing. are seven Heliod decks in the top eight in
0: Japan, do you think you can play it in Phoenix? I think you have to let people play it in Phoenix. I, I think can... you have to not. Really? People have just been prepping and working and... You know, coming up with all these. Decks I think you have a problem. You, you have to do
1: both, right? You both have to ban it and not ban it because it's too right. late. But also, they can't basically get the cards. Potentially, the cards are so expensive. Well, so but also, well, like you know, you're facing a disaster. Right. If it was but, seven last
0: time. It might be eight this time. Right. Well, let's take let's take the the opposite of that scenario that only one copy of the deck does well. Yes. But it's clearly like oh. Yeah, that's be right. He he broke it. He
1: broke it. Right. This is. Yuki hero shows up. It's completely different from else's build. Like, oh yeah, this, he's just right.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's exactly the he I was thinking of. Yep. It wasn't me using, you know, gendered pronouns randomly. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs>
1: thinking of Ken. Our Youkai hero once again rides to the rescue and comes up with something.
0: And. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then everyone's like, okay. Uh, this is clearly the deck I'm going to Audible to, and I have my cards with me. And everyone switches to that deck. That that seemed like a case of you have
1: three days to figure out what to do about it. Like, and there's an interesting deck versus counter deck scenario. So, and maybe it is just there's no counter, but, like, you're willing to find so you're, out.
0: So you're, you're happier
1: with that scenario? I'm, hap- I'm happier. I'm happy with a very different tournament in the two tournaments. Like, a repeat of a disaster seems like a disaster Right, me. But...
0: The problem comes back to, I mean, you could still also, I assume, just say we're locking in all deck list. If you're playing in Phoenix, and or you're playing in Japan, your deck registration day is the same. That would be nice. I asked for that. Didn't get it. Right. It was too. You know, I mean, I would. I
1: asked for that solution. Right. Right before I knew that this was gonna happen, I said you're gonna do different weeks. We need to have the same deck, li- deck list deadline, or I mean this. Like, I hate this position where you have to prepare and work your ass off to be ready to then work your ass off specifically in this final week with no flexibility because the information that you need yeah. is locked down until like, very, very close to the end. Right. It used to be, like when I won Tokyo, when I got my top eights in New Jersey and Chicago, I locked those decks in with weeks to go. I spent the last few weeks relaxing, catching up on sleep, thinking about detailed sideboard plans, taking test draws, like just mentally getting in the right space. And you can't do that anymore because things change too fast. And this is the ultimate version of that, right? You have a full pro tour a week beforehand. I mean, at least a third of a pro tour, right? Like yeah. two thirds of people are in other places, but like a third of a pro tour is happening. And that's, that's a killer. I mean, the, the, the real answer is the leagues will tell the story. On Magic Online. And they will tell the story immediately. Sure. The moment these cards go on sale, people will put Heliod in the same deck as Walking Ballista. And they will start playing. And if this is truly broken, on a, like, we need to get rid of this level, Wizards will know, within two days, by looking at the data, they have a problem on their hands. And they'll have to figure out, how big is it? How long can we string this along? Do we have to do something about it? This is what happened with... um, you know, the, um, the Shihihi Rai combo, right? Right. Was they announced they weren't doing, they weren't banning it. I, among other people, said, you're insane, you have to ban this. This is going to ruin everything. <laughs> and then several days later, they were like, "Oh, well, we checked the link and it turns out it's ruining everything. <laughs> and so we're going to eat some crow and do the right thing. To their credit, to their great credit, right? They backed down. It's so much harder after you say you're not going to do something. Right. To admit that you actually have to do it. Right. And I have great respect for doing it anyway, right? I don't hold it against them that they said they weren't going to do it. I give them credit for doing it anyway. You know, maybe not as much credit in some important sense as doing it in the first place, but like it's actually a harder thing to do. And you,
0: and you, feel, you feel like there was like an unwritten asterisk in Ian Duke's announcement. I thought that... it was almost
1: written. I <laughs> know he said like, we don't plan to do this. Right. We don't plan to take action. We, 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 we want to wait and then make an assessment later. And I think that's the right attitude. Right. Right? You absolutely don't want to take preemptive action. I think banning the card now, today, would be wrong.
0: Right. Right? Because you don't know. Like, that two-day period... But you want an intervening if between Tokyo and Phoenix. Yes, that two-day period is fun as hell,
1: also. Yep.
0: That short period where if you want to, you can just go ahead and break Pioneer in half.
1: And maybe, you, maybe it can be done and maybe it can't be done. Right. And maybe you can play anti Heliod for two days. Who knows? Anything in flux is going to be fun. Right. The problem is going to be you need to be willing to admit quickly it doesn't work for you. And again, I have no problem printing Heliod into a probable banning. Right. Regardless of which card gets banned. Right. You just have to be willing to admit it. Right. But like, you know, they've done so good with Pioneer being willing to iterate... And ban things on a continuous basis. It would be a tremendous shame if they got cold feet at the last minute with a new card.
0: Tremendous shame. Yeah. Um I think this card's gonna be really good in standard too. I think it's gonna be I have four stars. Yeah. But no, 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 I no. think you're gonna see it. I think you're gonna see a lot of this card very early on in uh, standard queues. It know, wouldn't shock ladder. me if
1: there are decks that evolve that use this card without it ever being a creature. Oh, interesting. Right? That's just for the, whenever you gain life, put a counter on a creature. Yep. Um, Because that's a really powerful effect. If you can generate continuous, like, little life gains, you know, oh, look, it's my cat. Bring it back. Put a counter on that. You know, just doing stuff like that, continuously gaining life, sucking food, putting counters on things. Activating various (laughs) other creatures, shall we say. And it's not that you never theoretically activate it, but maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you don't. We right. don't right. have five what's white pips in
0: your deck. What's the name of the triple black card from Throne? That's what's her name. Ayara. Ayara. Yeah, where well, you gain life whenever. Right.
1: So, like, splashing a off-color god is a very strange thing to do. You blast bastard. this bastard. Thank you. But you know what? If every time you, I, I'm
0: the true gray merchant.
1: If every time. But <laughs> every time gray is appropriate, is it not? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm <laughs> but saying. But if you if you just <laughs> Make sure you just get lots and lots of counters every time you do anything and your creatures all have thing on demand. That sounds pretty sweet. Right. You know, the activating to give anything lifelink is not nothing. Right. And yeah, the deck will never, ever, ever have five white pips. Right? The deck has right. four <laughs> white pips on four copies of Heliod and they only get one at a time. Yeah. And that's all you're ever gonna get. But that's
0: okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Heliod's intervention is an X card op, XWW instant, uh, choose one, destroy X target, uh, artifacts and or enchantments and then uh, or target player gains twice x life
1: so you're saying I need to kill
0: a lot of copies of Trail of Crumbs and Witches Up I mean, I I think this card is certainly going to find a home in standard I guess certainly as a sideboard card or even as as possibly a main devil card in a deck of life gain Main deck would shock me. I don't I I I said possibly. I'm just saying okay.
1: but I like mean, the combination of white decks full of enchantment creatures. Possibly some sort of weird enchantment duck. Yeah. And just mow down all your food, all your ovens, and all of your trails. Yeah. And anything else you happen to have. Right. Yeah. Like, make this certainly pretty interesting. And yeah, the back door of if that's not relevant, I can just gain a bunch of life later right. in the game. It's right. not nothing, right? Uh, so yeah, I think there's
0: something here for sure. Right. I, I like actually how prophetic it is. Choose one. Only there's <laughs> only one that's gonna get chosen. <laughs> destroy, destroy these artifacts.
1: I mean, I don't think that's true. I think you I think you will frequently see it. See the second yeah. one. I, yeah. I think
0: it's uh, the next rare up. Is idyllic tutor, which is a card that's a reprint. 2W to search a library for an enchantment card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle your library. Sweet reprint. Uh
1: yeah, I spent a lot of time on this one. Like thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Building for it. Because there's some obvious things you can do with it, but it's also just a lot of mana. Yeah. So you know, how many copies of this can you afford to play, right? Because like the second I've copy is almost o- impossible I've,
0: to cast. I've i generally only found it to be one. Which is in Commander. So well, <laughs> which is why I think it's a sweet reprint, but I mean so people can afford it in Commander. I mean the obvious thing to do with this is go get
1: your fires of invention, show it to your opponent, put it in your hand, next turn you capture fires of invention. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. That is the slam slam dunk reason to do this.
0: Right. And then the question and is then, and then the question is how many times will you play your fires of invention? Reveal your idyllic tutor and go get another Fires of Invention.
1: The answer is very few in game one, certainly. (laughs) Some game two, but not that many. The question is, what am I going to do with my second idyllic tutor? Slash, if I have a Fires, what do I do with my idyllic tutor? Right. Because the generically good enchantment options are not great. Right. And I spent a bunch of time exploring this. If you got seven mana of Kiora, that's the Sea God, but... Seven's a lot, and the you know four or five six mana enchantment it just is generically good for what ails you that you can actually cast out of these decks isn't really there. So that's going to hold this card back, okay. right? This whole I don't know what I'm getting if I'm just generically on an interesting board. The fact that there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of effect types you just can't get out of an enchantment right now.
0: Is there a situation where you'd play this as a fifth? Fires.
1: Right, the question is like I'm saying like it's fine to play this as the Fifth Fires. Yeah. But I'd really like to be able to have some other sure. option. I mean, I think you could play this at the Fifth Fires with the other option being I get like one for the and one Vanishing Light. Sure. Right. So like if it's if I have my fires and don't need it, I can go get a, a, a removal spell. Right. And like, I accept there's gonna be games where I'm very sad because neither of these cards solves my problems. But maybe a witching well or two. to sure. so Generically, I'll just draw two cards and scry two if I have nothing better to do. Right. And now I'm okay. You know. If I need a land, I can go get a wishing well and try for land, you know. It's, you know. Just sort of, that was where I was at with it. Right. But I, I don't know what else can justify that kind of investment right now. Um, other possibilities are like, if my wilderness export... Wishing not-
0: well is actually an artifact, so...
1: Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I keep I keep getting gotten by that, right? Like, yeah. they, they, there are so many cards in that set that are just like
0: that. Don't yeah. If it's blue, it should be an enchantment. That's always my philosophy, right? Like I don't like colored artifacts in general. Yeah,
1: I I think. Uh, um, yeah, I really. I really think colored artifacts should be, like, very, very strongly this is obviously an artifact. Yes. Right? Like, in some way. And witching well, you could say, well, it's a well. Obviously, it's a thing. Right. But, like, magic's full of metaphor. (laughs) Right? Like, magic is not, like, real, real. Like, it made sense as an enchantment. Right. Right? I don't know. I'm just... It's frustrating. Yeah. Uh... Someone to the Sea, same idea. Yeah, yeah but. yeah.
0: J- j- jumping <laughs> jumping ahead uh, to the next rare, we get Shatter the Sky, which is for WW. Uh, every player who controls a creature with power 4 greater draws a card. Eh. Then destroy all creatures. Yay!
1: <laughs> I like destroying all creatures, and I like paying 4 mana to do that. Yeah. I like it a lot.
0: Yes. This is uh, a very uh, low cost. Uh, sweeper you know we've seen you know kaya's wrath very difficult to cast very very limited in terms of what decks it can go into um same thing with time wipe or whatever not time, is it time wipe yeah yeah time wipe uh we've seen conditional wraths in terms of like so th- this this is this is pretty much get it all if you're playing a big green deck you get to draw a card
1: and if not there'll be only times when it's like okay i did Giraffe. wrath there'll be times where it's like I kill your five creatures but you get a card thanks <laughs> i really appreciate that you're very thoughtful other times you'll get a card too right like imagine this card in files right which is the deck that naturally wants sweepers well if i lost a creature i'm getting compensated
0: <laughs> right 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 yeah so uh, i mean how, how ubiquitous do you think this card's gonna be in Standard?
1: I think reasonably ubiquitous. I mean, it's not going to be everywhere because it's double white. And wrath effects are usually like not something that many decks want. But certainly I think it's an excellent sideboard card for a lot of people. Right? It's, if you notice that you're up against an actual weenie deck where this will not give them a card, it's just a gift. Oh, yeah. If you're up against a deck which is going to spam the board of enough creatures, that you don't care. Or just... A lot of decks are just like these decks are harmless after turn five, right? Think think about all all the cards you want. I
0: don't care anymore. Think about all the times you're up against an iron deck in this current standard, like wave, and you're like, I really need my fourth land to be either black or white and come into play untapped.
1: Please. I like how often it's either black or white because you just solved all. You have so many dual lands. And
0: yeah.
1: you're just Like yeah, I I did, it's one or the other. It just
0: needs to be one or the other. I don't and even you care need which. To play untapped, please, please don't let me lose to this deck. And you know, and so like that's not. And then you lose to that deck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not not. not uh, I mean, you still need the land to come into play untapped here, but you know what I mean. Yes, it's, but that's it's true. you're you're removing one whole like wave of work. But your
1: deck can have a lot less tapped lands now that you don't need all that mana requirements.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this helps a lot. I think this is a great card. I think it'll see a lot of play. Wait, what did you give this? I think it's... I think I'm at three. But, like... You know, it doesn't mean I'm... You know, certainly if I had to... um If I had to think about it, like... I wanted to reserve my white four stars for Daxos and Heliod. But, yeah, this is not a bad candidate. It's a very, very good card. Um... Part of the problem is sort of you don't know how to calibrate because like you're comparing *The Throne of Eldraine* in terms of like what's exciting. But I think this is a really, I think this is a really great card. I think that people should be excited. Right.
0: Yeah, this card plays really nicely, by the way, with Taranika, a and veteran. <laughs> also plays
1: really nice with gods. Yeah, but
0: one um, WW for yeah. a three-three legendary creature, human soldier. Vigilance whenever it attacks. Untap another target creature you control. Until end of turn, that creature has base power and toughness. 4-4. But Taranika will die when the sky is scattered. Oh, no. But your other creature will not.
1: And you will draw a card.
0: And you will draw a card. So
1: they are advanced. It's like two cards. It's like two cards. Yay. Um, So this is the classic problem of creatures are so good. And there are so many things I have to do today. (laughs) This actually makes my deck. Right. Like I'm not denying that like this plus a one drop attacking for seven is kind of nutty. Right. You know, for no work. And it keeps its text box, so maybe it does more than that. Right. And it has vigilance, and it gives it does so many cool things. And yet, my first draft of the deck didn't make the cut. There's just too many other things I needed. It's in the Heliod slot, and I'm busy. It doesn't mean that's right. Yeah,
0: like, really? if you don't try it, you're.
1: Making, what, you're what did you're you making give me this like a two? I mean, three stars. Like it's a very good card. Okay, like it's it's just not going to be where it needs to be necessarily to win the battles it has to win. Right, in terms of like being better than the other things around it. Right. That's the key.
0: Well, let's uh, move on to blue here.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, the first card that comes up in the rare slot here, well, let's let's talk about an uncommon, Allurios All- All- Enraptured. Why? I don't know, just because we were talking about a little bit about top-down design. This is their attempt to...
1: Oh, oh, for flavor reasons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear, like, this is not that good. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, know why yeah. we're talking about this. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, but... we were just talking about this idea, like, you oh, know.
1: yeah! It's that story! <laughs> like, I mean, there's so many cards like that in the set, right? It's right. like, oh, yeah, it's the guy who sees his reflection and then dies. Yeah. Yeah. With the flavor text, in case you missed it. <laughs> right?
0: Like 2U uh, uh, uh. Uh, to, to for a 2-3, enters the battlefield, tapped. Uh, the other reason I wanted to mention it is because, how many, you know, this is a card that should have some meaning for you. Reflection Tokens.
1: Reflection size it should be two two. Also, reflections are two two. I thought we covered this. Like, I like the three two versus two three thing. It's a mirror. Like, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Like, can they change the names to the proper names? Could you just like use this use this set in like just a history class?
0: Maybe. <laughs> um, all
1: right. Let's, let's go. I forget Olivia's real name.
0: Uh, isn't it? Uh...
1: I'm gonna say yes. I just don't remember.
0: Yeah. I want to say Narcissus, but... Yes,
1: Narcissus. Yes. Yes, that's right.
0: But then I always confuse which one's Greek, which one's Roman, whatever. They both count. Yeah. Uh, Ashiok, Well, this is fitting, considering our memories of mythology, Ashiok's Erasure. Can't we find anyone in, like,
1: at least Theros'
0: pantheon? Do we have to really go with Ashiok? Uh, Two UU for an enchantment with Flash. When Ashiok's Erasure enters the battlefield, exile target spell. Your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the Exiled card. Uh, but then when Ashok's or Ash-X leaves the battlefield, return the Exiled card to its owner's hand.
1: Which presumably will never happen, because you're playing the kind of deck where that doesn't yeah. get allowed. It also if only goes to their hand, it doesn't just get cast. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. You've, had, you've seen 12 where it just right. gets cast.
0: And, and sometimes it's better for it to just get
1: cast, because then it fizzles. Right, sometimes it's a really awkward time. Yeah. For sure. So this is a scary card. Why so? Because it changes your play patterns, it changes your thinking, like you have these situations where if my opponent erasers this, do I lose? Right, this is really bad for me Right, like this is a really punishing counter spell. You can swing the game in a really large way, where before You know, just throwing out test spells, like, okay, fires of invention?
0: No. Oh, yes. Get in never. Getting your fire. Never. Game. Yeah. yeah like, you really want to be on the play of this game.
1: Hydroid <laughs> Crisis right, for two? No. And stop it. Right. Right? Like, that's a big deal. Right. And, like, like right now we have a white blue deck in the standard that sort of never gets ahead. Right? Just sit there, not die, not die, not die, not die, not die some more. Probably die at some point, but if it didn't die, eventually sort of win. Right. Like cast finale for ten on tap five lands, or just do something over the top, but a much more realistic thing to do is just cast erasure on their T two cards over the course of the first ten turns. Right. And now you basically won. Right? Remember Xolon's binding? Yeah. Yeah. This is what you do without tapping out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, what did you give this card? Three. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Keep moving on here. And I'm so pretty uh,
1: sure is is if anything love. right? Like it's yeah. possible that that card becomes a staple right. beyond what I think. Right.
0: One okay. well, one of the cards I like in this set is Kiara, best the sea god.
1: I already mentioned it seven. Yeah. if I'm gonna go get an enchantment if I don't tutor i just want to freaking win the game in a normal fashion and have the card be a regular card when i draw it yeah this was the best i could come up with
0: yeah probably the cost seven yeah i i thought initially thought it was better than it was because i thought you um tapped them out of their lands for a turn i read it the other way than non-lands uh i thought it was tap all land permanence yeah it's not
1: bad to tap on online yes it certainly yeah. buys you some time it Lets you attack eight probably
0: yeah. oh yeah yeah.
1: Fear of retaliation. Yeah,
0: I do. I do like the eight-eight. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen weirder cards at seven get played in constructed formats.
1: Uh, I played my Kiori Best to God first, so when you play your Kiori Best to God, I'll either take your Kiori Best to See God, and then next turn I'll take a different permanent. Um, <laughs> cool interactions, right? Yeah. Um, no, this is a reasonable candidate for way to end the game. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who wants it, needs it, right? But if you're searching up enchantments, yeah, that's the well, reason you
0: could cut your Elspeth and put this in instead. Could
1: <laughs> I don't think that's wise. I have another candidate for what you cut your Elspeth for. Okay. That's coming up later. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I, I like this card. I think it's I think it's pretty yeah. sweet.
1: And You probably keep one Elspeth around just in case they're bringing counter spells. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. You want you want one something. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't play alspith over lockmere serpent, for example, in that role. Sure. Uh, That's another damning comparison for Elspeth, right? Like, they cost six mana. Like, Elspeth technically comes down before, but in general, they both cost six mana. Lockermere Superman, they have to kill. Right. And it winds up their graveyard in the meantime. Like, every time it comes back up. And it's a flash card. And it starts drawing you cards. Yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. It plays so much better.
0: I have a sort of like, we only have a few more days of Throne of Eldraine draft. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> uh. I'm still trying to find out the latest in a draft, in a first pack I can switch, or the latest in a draft I can switch into blue-black on a serpent. (laughs)
1: Definitely
0: pack two. I've definitely done it in pack two. I've definitely, I haven't done
1: both colors in pack three. I've done one of them all the time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, That card is is ridiculous. Um, Nadir Kraken. It's another card I really like. I don't know if it's good or not. I just like the card. One UU for a 2-3 Kraken. Whenever you draw a card, you may pay one. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on the Kraken and create a 1-1 blue tentacle creature token.
1: Yeah, I have a wide range of uncertainty about this as well. Um, because it's like one of those cards, it can take over a game. Right. Right. You get two power and two toughness and an extra blocker in some combination every turn. If you're cantripping, you're drawing extra cards, you can do it more. Costs mana to do it. You spend a turn exposing a two three most of the time, it's just bare. It's slow. Yep. So I don't know. Right? Is this good enough? But I feel it. like
0: I feel like this card is somehow like the control version counterpoint to Legion War Boss like yeah. you're like this is a card there's like two or three of them in your sideboard and there's some matchup that you're just like I can't turn wait
1: three to... crack in, turn four make a count add a counter crack in next turn untap, Kraken Kraken play another way yeah. go
0: yeah go. you're just like after sideboard you're like you're so freaking dead <laughs> but it's going to take a little while <laughs> that it will
1: it, it, it's a it's a very reasonable card yeah. I certainly think it will find some homes eventually um, yeah
0: yeah. But, but do, you, I mean, do you agree with that sort of... Comp- like Obviously, they don't go into the same spots, but against like a, like the same role in a lot of ways that a Legion War boss fills for, for red decks. Yeah, so it, a deck- it's a
1: card that can take over the game if people aren't ready for it. Yeah. So if people aren't planning to deal with that, it's very strong. I think
0: that's a fair, fair description. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we get to Protean Thaumaturge, which is a 1-1 one, one for blue and 1. And then whenever it uh, has Constellation, whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you may have the Thaumaturge become a copy of another target creature, except it has this ability. No. Okay, we'll keep moving on.
1: Yeah, I just know, right? Like, we've seen so many copies of cards that try to do this kind of thing, and they never work. Many of them were better.
0: Um, here's, here's a card. Fossa Deep Dwelling. Not so sure. 3U. You're not so sure if it's a card? No. Nah. I mean, I see Thassa, and immediately my expectations go up. Mine too, and yet... Uh, and mm-hmm. so this is also a god. Uh, indestructible, 6-5. As long as your devotion is less than 5, it isn't a creature. At the beginning of your end step, upside, exile up to one other target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under your control. Uh, so it's got a flicker ability.
1: So let me, let me ask you a would-you-rather.
0: Would I mean, you ra- let me finish the card yeah, yeah. quickly? Sorry, three, yeah. you tap another target creature.
1: Would you rather pay three mana for Thassa Deep Dwelling or four mana for the Old Thassa?
0: <laughs> I would. I will buy Old Thassa at four mana. That's right, isn't it? I rest my case. Like right. That's a that's a different card than this one. <laughs> that's a very different card than this one. <laughs> um. I, boy, you know, I'm such a sucker for this effect. Like, this is something that I I love, you know, like, Brago, and, like, I love anything with, with, like, that flicker ability. I haven't really seen anything that I want to do with this yet. Look, nobody is saying this can't be your commander. Yeah, well, I mean, if I show up with a mono-blue commander, people usually yell at me, so... That's they, right, they, have, people, they have. Some told people me are saying this can't be your commander. Yeah, some people have. But said I.
1: That. Nobody is saying this can't
0: do things
1: right. in other formats. Yes. Where winning efficiently is not your priority. Yes. This but is. this is not a good card. Yeah. This to me is a miss, and like, there's some cards that are not going to be good. I get that. Not all of your mythics can be good,
0: but you feel like the 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 floor has been set pretty high for Thassa's.
1: I think that it's pretty unfortunate when Thassa's bad. Like I think that Thassa was an iconic card from Theros. We came back. One of the things we're excited by are these gods, right? And when four of the five gods aren't that good, right? Yeah. Like this isn't even the best blue god in standard. (laughs) At that mana cost. Right. And it's not remotely close. Kefnet is so
0: much better. Right. All right, well, let's see what the other Thassa cards have to offer us also at Rare. Thassa's Intervention, XUU. Uh, Instant choose one. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put up to two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Or counter-target spell unless its controller pays X twice x so at three mana this is miscalculate at four mana it's,
1: right, it's miscalculate or cantrip yeah at four mana it's draw to right it's it's inspiration yeah. or it's um pay four yeah peg four, convolute, and at five mana it's almost counter target spell or like starts to look right i mean eh
0: I mean, I'm not mad at it. I mean, this is competing with Chemister's Insight, right? That's like its main competition.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I'm not
0: that mad at it, I would say. It's a pretty flex. I mean, like I think it holds up really nicely against Chemister's Insight. Like, Mm -hmm. Chemister's Insight is obviously a better card, you know, in terms of like... Going forward in the game, but in terms of flexibility in your hand, yeah, uh, this card's pretty interesting. I, I you know, I, I like this format quite a bit. You know, in that spot where you're like, oh, they're holding chemistry inside. I can play this. You know, they're gonna draw cards. I know what's going on here. You know, you can have the. Re- you don't have that anymore, right? It just introduces just, a lot more uncertainty. You're saying it gives
1: you the natural like fork of either cast something, or don't cast something. and Either way, you're sad, right? It's possible. Um, I mean, the chemistry's insight, the ability to just like throw it out there and not care if they counter it, right? To yeah. just sort of slowly make progress. This isn't doing that job, but certainly the ability to, you know, very late in the game, this does this is tap out and you hard gun or something effectively, right? So maybe
0: or tap out and find the card you're exactly the card you're looking for to adapt and take over the game. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, at six mana to be able to dig four cards deep for a wrath. Or... Yeah, like there's.
1: Yeah, I should probably upgrade my view of this card just because, like, control players love the idea of. For good reason.
0: All right, we're ending the podcast ending here. Cards. I'm going to take my victory. Zvi has upgraded a card based on our discussion. Goodbye. This has been Top 8 Magic, the longest running podcast in Magic history, signing off.
1: No, we not. <laughs> Okay. Oh, it was nice when it lasted. Yeah, time for a card we're not <laughs> upgrading. Thassa's Oracle.
0: So you for a 1-3. Uh, when Thassa's Oracle enters your battlefield, look at the top X cards deep in your breath, library. Deep breath. Where X is your devotion <laughs> to blue, put up to one of them on top of your library, which is just poop, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater or than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game.
1: This has more cards in it than any other card in the set.
0: Jeez, that is a lot of... This fact. was talked
1: about in the, the article about there being too many right. words on the cards.
0: Yeah.
1: And I believe the explanation was this is part of a deck in standard and it's doing important work. All those words are doing important work including important flavor work and the card is worthwhile so we're going to pay the cost and get this card into the set as is.
0: Right. So the important work is you, you in the upper right corner because you want to turn on Thassa? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you don't.
0: Well, Why would the, you want to do that? Well, because well, you, you well, you might not want to turn up, but you do get to keep digging every turn with this with Thassa. I
1: guess. Right? Like, you don't. Right? Because they just kill it. But <laughs> such a pessimist. Yes. You but, tapped out on turn four to play Thassa. Yeah. Um, but also, like, nothing happened when you did that. Right. You didn't draw a card ever. No. <laughs> just put. It on like, wouldn't you rather right? the Bolus?
0: I would.
1: Right. I like, don't. I don't even, I don't. with the same mana and the same power toughness, so, and actually get a card out of the damn we're, we're even. I'm downgrading this card
0: even further than I already have. You didn't. Th- you didn't think about the actual comparison, to the strictly better version. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't. I hadn't even. Cons- I was just looking at the card in the abstract, and I hadn't even looked at Fassa. Uh, in terms of the, the I mean, combo. You,
1: you, you, okay, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, this is just... I do not know why Wizards think there's a the blue deck here. Because there is isn't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I guess maybe... This is one of those I'll
1: proverbially eat my hat uh, if I'm wrong. So,
0: so <laughs> what I'm wondering is if this isn't a... the self-mill deck. That you self-mill yourself, uh doing so generating as many pips as you can with drowned mm. secrets, um Mer- Mer- Merfolk Secret Keeper. I know mm. we're doing this the hard way one pip at a time. Uh <laughs> not sure what other cards we're putting in. And then you stick this and try to win. Yeah, I i <laughs> Jace. Wilder Mysteries. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> now, I was doing the twiddle of my thumbs yeah, and whistle yeah. thing in the background and being like, oh, wait till you're done.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I already went I, for this I, one. I, I thought that was processing. I no, that no, was... that
1: was just a, you know, you finish, you're having
0: fun, I'm not going to stop you.
1: Yeah, but I, <laughs> I,
0: that's the only thing right, I can this, think it, of as far if as... If this I'm, wasn't
1: on a card in standard already, I can understand putting yeah. it on a card right. because self mill needs the ability to somehow laboratory maniac
0: Right. But it already has it. Right. I guess the idea is if you can... What I'm assuming is that... a card I- with even more pips! Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that the idea is, though, that if you can just stabilize the board with this and Thassa, you will eventually just win the game.
1: 1-3, stabilize the board. Yeah. Welcome to 2020. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, they don't even block anything.
0: Yeah. a common card I want to ask you about. they I
1: Paradise Druid. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, common card. I want to ask you about is thirst for meaning.
1: Yep, I appreciate the not cash grab here.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rare. <laughs> Could have been very easily
0: uh, to you. Instead, draw three cards, then discard two cards unless you discard an enchantment. What are your predictions for this card? Like, what's the what's the ceiling for this card in standard?
1: It being good, it's not great. Like, it's look, it's it's a. Better than Divination if you have enough enchantments in your deck. Sure. Right. It's an instant. It draws three, discards one.
0: Discarding one, or even discarding two isn't even bad. Sometimes not. Sometimes yeah. it's fine. But I just don't believe in the enchantments. That's, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I'm asking about what the, what yeah. do you, what the ceiling is. The
1: ceiling is the enchantments are good and fit in the same deck that wants to draw cards. And then the card is fine. It's draw three, discard one and a half you know, yeah. 1.3 but I'm not remember thirst for knowledge, right? Like the original? Yeah. Which I, I, I much more sympathize with than thirst for meaning, personally. Yeah. Just on a you know, flavor level. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was that big a deal. Like it was a good card. And you played it. But like it was never like where it's all at. It's just sort of Okay, that's what you do. It's better than the alternative, so you play it, and it's a nice thing to have, and I encourage you to play the artifact then. Yeah. It doesn't get me that far towards where we're going, though.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Thrix the Sudden Storm, 3 UU for a 4 5 Flash Flyer, legendary creature. Uh, spells you ca- cast with converted mana cost 5 or greater, cost 1 less to cast, and can't be countered. It's cute. So I'm curious, and I'm not expecting you to necessarily have the answer here. So Thoss's intervention, right? If I say I'm gonna cast it for where
1: My understanding is as long as it was you announce X of three or more and it, it gets Then I
0: better. only have to pay four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um I don't think that's a particularly exciting application. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I'm just I was just curious. More than yeah.
1: anything. Um I think it's a case of you know, I'm not sure where you want this card. It's counterable. Yes. Setting up A can't be countered can be killed in response to make the card counterable. The discount of 1 on really expensive things is generally not very exciting. There you are know, a lot of reasons to not like this card. Sure. You know, there's an exact situation in which this card's interesting. Probably. I wish it wasn't legendary. Sure. Kind of like an unnecessary... Sad and feel bad that I can't just like use to discount another copy. Yeah, and then go off to the races. Like what were we afraid of exactly? Yeah, there's a bunch of cards like that where it's like this card works great in multiple. Let's make it a legend.
0: <laughs> like, why? <laughs>
1: this doesn't seem like a legendary kind of thing to happen. Yeah, I and mean, I guess there's some legend. They're co- they're actual some like Greek legend. They're yeah. they're copying, but like come on.
0: Uh, Wavebreak Hippocamp, to you for a two-two enchantment creature horsefish. Uh, which sounds like an exclamation done in small towns. Horsefish. Uh, or nothing else good. Yeah. Uh, whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, or or in the good place, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> ah, horsefish. Oh, that's the horsefish. That's
0: how you draw cards. <laughs> 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 whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, draw a card. Hey, okay. this Wait, this card does not feel rare to me.
1: I see why it's rare. Well, I just. Sort of draw a card is the ambitious sort of thing that cool people like to do. right but I'm not I think that I he never works does of it but yeah no,
0: um. All right so that's it for white and blue. Let's take a break here and this way you can let people you know uh, Roman put it up into parts if he wants to. Uh, we'll be back right back, right back right after this with more tuppy match.